welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. Ngozi Okaro advocates for a fashion industry that honors planet and people. She founded Custom Collaborative to support immigrant and no and low-income women launching sustainable fashion businesses and careers. Custom Collaborative serves fashion industry entrepreneurs, workers, and consumers who value ethical fashion. Ngozi is a commissioner of the NYC Equal Employment Practices Commission and a director of the NYC Economic Development Corporation. Among other honors, she is a 2022 Goldman Sachs Black Woman Impact Leader and Conscious Fashion Campaign and United Nations SDG honoree. 2021 AARP Purpose Prize Fellow and Crane's Notable Women in Business, 2020 World Changing Women in Conscious Business winner from Conscious Company Media and Kate Spade, 2019 NYC Fair Trade Coalition Changemaker of the Year and New York Women's Foundation Spirit of Entrepreneurship Awardee. She is certified by New York University's Center for Philanthropy and Fundraising and was the 2014 Environmental Leadership Program Fellow. Ngozi graduated Georgetown University Law Center and Morgan State University. Hi, Ngozi. Welcome to Revolutionary Women. How are you this afternoon? I'm great. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and be in conversation with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, So let's get started. So I read that you were originally from Maryland. Um, What was it like for you growing up in Maryland? And what part of Maryland? Sure. I'm from Columbia, Maryland. which is uh, a suburb partially between um, Washington and Baltimore. Maryland was a great place to grow up, Mm -hmm. but I always knew that I wanted to live in New York ever Ah. since I learned what New York was. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I read that you lived in New York City for 20 years. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. I have been here for 20 years, and so it's it's been... um, exciting, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes frustrating, but on the whole fun. And I, I think that after 20 years, I'm considered um, an official New Yorker. New Yorker. Good for yeah. you. So how is it different, you think, from where you grew up? Uh, and what, you know, what what is it about New York um, that is so different from Maryland? On the face, one of the things that's like most obviously different about New York, New York City, than basically anywhere in Maryland is the that a person can walk around or, or take public transportation and get basically everywhere they need to go. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one thing, almost like the ease of being able to be um, a citizen. Mm-hmm. And I think that related to that is that you just come into contact with so many more people just walking on the streets and being on the subway right. and just seeing so many different types of people. Mm-hmm. And um, I think definitely one thing that I've learned being in New York is how to ignore things mm. because there are so many things that I see like on the street or even at workplaces where in Maryland we'd be like, oh, you know, what does this be like show stopping? Like, you know, people would stop and mm-hmm. in New York just like, oh, this is just yeah. regular every day. We can ignore this. <laughs> That's true. That is so true. Except for when people come to visit. Yeah, I, I'm right. I'm a, right. <laughs> I so understand. I'm a New Yorker, um, former New Yorker. And uh, but I still like, you know, I consider myself a New Yorker. <laughs> I think yes, I'll always be yes. a New Yorker. For um, sure. And uh, so, you know, it's interesting because 
you were saying that, and it's true. Like you know, when I would go around in the city, growing up in growing up in the city, I would be like, you know, like things would be happening, and I'm like, oh, I'll just keep going, you know, because it's true. It's like you know what, unless it's probably an emergency, I would stop. But for the most part, if it's just someone doing something, I said, okay, they're doing their own thing, you know? Right, right. <laughs> I just keep going. And I was like, exactly. you, you, you can tell the New Yorkers because they're the ones who are like, all right, you keep going. <laughs> it's it's <Right>. nothing. <laughs> nothing to see here. That's so funny. Exactly. They're nude, fine. Yeah. You know, whatever. Well, remember the nude cowboy? <laughs> oh, right, yeah, exactly. I mean, he wasn't exactly nude, but it was like close enough and I'm like what is going on there but you know again you keep going (laughs) it's like it's not for you um okay so growing up in Maryland uh did you come from a big family no no actually um I grew up um with my mom my parents divorced and so it was just me and my mother Uh my father um um later left the country and we married and had five children but growing up it was just me Okay, are you close to your father's children? From the, uh, well, from I the just got marriage? off of the phone with my brother like, oh, um, three cool. minutes ago. So. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, well, so growing up um, with your mom, were there life lessons that you learned from her? Definitely. Um, one relates to the work that I do now, mm-hmm. and it's basically like how clothes are supposed to look and fit on a body. Mm. Um, that was so important for me. Like my mother, although she was not um, a professional seamstress, she's a professional librarian, but she like mm-hmm. made all of my clothes growing up. Really? And she made her clothes, yeah. Wow. And so then when I started buying clothes from the store, uh-huh. Um, it hit me like, oh, this doesn't really fit the same way as my other clothes. So that's that's one thing. And then also to look for the markers of quality mm-hmm. in clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely uh, got that skill from my mother. Wow. Okay, so let's get into it. You are the executive director of Custom Collaborative. What is Custom Collaborative about and what prompted you to create it? Custom Collaborative is a nonprofit social enterprise that helps women develop careers and businesses in sustainable fashion. We do that uh, through three programs. We have a training institute, which meets for 15 weeks. It's 30 hours per week. Mm -hmm. There, women learn to design, sew, and sell sustainable fashion. Mm -hmm. It culminates in a graduation fashion show that uh, the next one this year will be July 20th. Wow. 2023 yeah we're super excited about it and basically um the fashion show um is again the culminating event mm-hmm. women walk a runway in an outfit that a classmate has made for them and they all have to have completed a business plan so through the course of the training in addition to learning how to design mm-hmm. and sew clothes mm-hmm. they also learn personal finance and uh, a 10-part business curriculum wow. that um, allows them to then create this business plan. And of course, they learn sustainability as well. Um, so that's huh. like the, the pillar of our work. And then our next program is a business incubator where we help our training institute graduates and other small and emerging designers develop their businesses. Mm-hmm. And the third part of our work hmm. is worker-owned cooperative development um, with uh, worker-owned cooperative being a business 
uh, just like any other, except that the people working it also have equity and make the decisions. And so it's more um, equitable in terms of pay and mm -hmm. less hierarchical in terms of structure. Mm -hmm. So those three um, parts of our business are, are really how we help low and no income and mm -hmm. immigrant women mm -hmm. um, just propel themselves to higher heights. That's really cool because I was looking at your site and I, you know, my question is how do you determine who you want to help in terms of mentorship and also you know, the women who are have graduated from those the training courses and setting them up like for a business and and, and develop the business plan how do you determine you say well do you you know which person or do you help all the trainees all the training graduates all the training institute graduates okay. and so like i said they all graduate with a business plan right and right. we can help them um, after they graduate even further so even developing the business plan even more um, finding initial clients ah, um, helping okay. them with like marketing and, and other aspects that's wonderful work. that's really wonderful so what was it about creating this that was so important to you important for you to do this yes i thought about some of the limitations that have been um placed in front of me mm. and i just started thinking about like well if i have some challenges what are challenges that other women might have right so like um english is my first language which mm -hmm. is um an advantage here. Mm -hmm. Of course, yeah. Um, I have, you know, two parents who are college educated, which is an advantage. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, been to college and have a graduate degree. And so I have all these advantages. Mm -hmm. um, but then uh, uh, a disadvantage is um, being a black person, right? And mm -hmm. so I'm thinking, well, there's other black women, there um, brown women mm -hmm. who don't have the advantages that I have had. And mm -hmm. so as challenging as it has been for me, there's like all these challenges in front of other people. Right. Um, so I just started thinking about, well, what are ways to help equalize opportunity? And in what way can I extend some of the privilege that I have mm -hmm. to other people? And so for me, part of that meant um, creating um, community mm -hmm. and opportunities for women to network and expand their economic opportunities. Just to, to step back a little bit, this all started because I had a, have a dressmaker um, who's from Guinea, Mariama, mm -hmm. and she um, used to make clothes for me and her clothes would be great. And, and I felt just like I was back in like middle school when my mom was making my clothes. I was mm -hmm. like, great, I have clothes that fit me, that right. fit and affirm my body that I like, that represent my style. Right. But she charged so little. And I went on a journey of figuring out like, well, how could I help Mariama earn more money mm. and how could I, you know, also help women situated in the same way as Mariama, who were immigrants, who right. didn't have a lot of business opportunity, right. who might not be able to work outside of their home because they had childhood, just started thinking about mm. um, how, how, how can I help? How can I be of, of service? That's amazing. And, you know, 
coming from someone who grew up in the States, you know, and you had the advantages like you had mentioned. Uh, so as a female entrepreneur, did you experience bias? And what were the other challenges that you faced as, a, as an entrepreneur, as a female entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, so I think as a, a female entrepreneur, you know, as a woman, even just in the workplace, working for someone else, mm-hmm. like I've always experienced um, challenges. And whether it was uh, uh, a minor challenge, like someone taking your idea and like passing it off mm-hmm. as theirs, wow. or uh-huh. someone like taking you not serious taking you not seriously because of you know you're black you're a woman mm-hmm. or even um, I'm a lawyer or even being um I remember an experience of being in the courtroom to like represent my client mm-hmm. and um the uh, lawyer um from the other side saying to the judge were like I don't know who this person is is this person a lawyer oh my gosh and yeah and so like that type of thing happens and um and i think that type of thing actually probably regularly happens and i think that people don't talk about it Mm. um but again like if those things happen to me they happen to other people too and so in the same way that we disadvantage people i thought like well what, what can i do to help advantage people so then not just the women mm-hmm. um, who need um, support w- developing businesses or even need support thinking that they could develop a business, mm-hmm. but also the women who want clothes that fit and affirm their bodies. And, mm. you know, just feel so much nicer. And, and to me, I always feel more powerful when I'm wearing something that um, was made for me that fits me, mm-hmm. that I know that the people who made it were treated fairly. Right. Oh, I so get it. Yeah. Um, uh, so well, hold on. Let me go back, though. So you were a lawyer. Um, yes. And how long were you in law? How long were you working in the, in the legal system? Yeah, I, th- I practiced law and I, I still have my body. Oh, you do? OK. Right? Yeah, sure. But I practiced law for five years. OK. And um, I. Is that what you figured... wanted to do in the first place or no? Yeah, yeah, I okay. did. Like when uh-huh. I was six, I learned what a lawyer was and decided huh? that that's what I wanted to be. That's so cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and so, um, but even what when changed? I, what, well, I when I learned what a lawyer was, like, mm. I immediately thought, oh well, I would work in women's and children's issues, mm. but that wasn't actually the work that. Um, I ended up doing. Um, mm. I was working at law firms, and so I did work, including like intellectual property, mm-hmm. antitrust, which are good things to do, but mm-hmm. it didn't align with how I thought I should, you know, be using my brain. Got it. Okay. Um, and huh. so th- from there, I um, took a year off and I went into nonprofit work. Uh-huh. Um, um, both um, nonprofit management and um, also as a working for a consulting firm, consulting to nonprofits. So that was um, my my path. Hmm. Okay. And so obviously, fashion was already you know in you, like growing right. up. <laughs> and so was that an easy transition for you going from law to going into nonprofit and and you know, creating this, um, this organization, uh, the, the, yeah, this, 
uh, custom collaborative. Was that an easy transition? Um, I, I don't know. Well, transitioning from law to nonprofit was um, probably challenging because I think that people um, tend to think, oh, well, you've done one thing and that's what you know how to do. Mm -hmm. But I think actually the process of becoming a lawyer mm -hmm. actually prepared me to do like many things, right? right? Like it's like, okay, so if you're a lawyer, if you've gone to law school, you probably can't go be a doctor right away, but there mm -hmm. are a lot of other things that you can do, right? You learn how to think critically, you learn how to express yourself mm -hmm. um, very well. If, um, and, and probably even going into law, you have mm -hmm. some of those abilities, right? So um, for me, uh, I tend to be methodical in my way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And when I decided, well, I, I really don't want to practice law. I want to do what I became a lawyer to do, which is support women's and children's issues. Mm -hmm. um, I figured out like, okay, so what's, what's the plan of action that I need to take? And so that was taking a year off and mm -hmm. doing 70 or so informational interviews and figuring out where I needed to be and then identifying the job. And so um, that's, that's what I did. I, I will say though, that being um, in nonprofit and learning about nonprofit, like I had decided pretty early on that there was not a need for any more nonprofits because there's so many. Mm -hmm. um, and I really had to fight with myself when I came up with the idea to start Custom Collaborative because, you know, that was absolutely against what I had convinced myself of. But when I looked around, there was no organization doing the type of work that Custom Collaborative does. And so, um, it, it felt to me that it was the right thing to do to start the organization at the time I did, which was 2016. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I was looking at your mission, and I'd like to read it, actually. Custom Collaborative trains, mentors, and advocates for and with no, with no low-income and immigrant women to build the skills necessary to achieve economic success in, in the sustainable fashion industry and broader society. How do you think... Um, how important is this, is your mission in this day and age? Well, I think that it is um, very important on a few counts. One, we introduce and give opportunity to women in sustainable fashion. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's about 95% uh, or more of the women who we work with are racial and ethnic minorities. Mm -hmm. And in general, in this country, environmental work has been an area that has um, really focused on white people in mm -hmm. terms of the jobs and the concerns. Mm -hmm. And so it is so important to um, bring in other voices, people who are affected differently and mm. people who have ideas. And so that is, um, I feel like one of the most important parts of our work. Mm -hmm. And I also think, um, helping women develop careers in things that they would like to do. Like that is, um, that's super important. 
there are um, lots of jobs that people can do, but there are many women who want to work in fashion who haven't had the opportunity mm -hmm. um, because they don't have the networks right. or they can't afford the formal education right. or nobody has ever believed in them, right? And so mm -hmm. it's important that we're able to um, provide that opportunity. And then I also think, um, which is not as obvious, but how we're able to support people in building community. Mm -hmm. um, we do some some surveys with women um, during their time in our programs, but also at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And many people say that like they don't have any community that they belong to, oh. um, that they feel isolated or lonely. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. one of the um, hidden parts of our work is the community that we help people create mm -hmm. and then how that community really supports and lifts the next woman. I love that. So from your graduates, uh, the training um, graduates, once they've gone on, to once they moved on, do they come back and tell you how they're doing? And do you actually have them um, speak to your current trainees um, with how with how what their experiences were being trained with Custom Collaborative and then moving forward? We sure do. Awesome. Um, That's so we... cool. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I was just talking to one of our training institute graduates and business incubator participant earlier this week, and mm -hmm. she said that she wanted to put on um, the the group Slack channel um, oh. a motivation and encouragement for everyone because she's been doing so well with her business. And That's so that so was just cool. like, yeah, yeah, that was so exciting um, for me to hear that. Mm -hmm. And this is a person who before she came to us, she was charging people like $80 to make a custom dress. And wow. she told me now she's charging um, a minimum 400, but for most dresses like 700 or more. And she sold um, a couple of $1,000 dresses. And Good so for just, her. yeah, yeah, it's really great for her. And for her to be able to talk to other women mm -hmm. is much more important than anybody on our staff could say, right? right. Because they see her as similarly situated, yeah. right? She, She's, a, the, she's an immigrant. She came through the program. She's in the same situation as them. And so to, for her to, to be able to encourage them is just very meaningful. That's really awesome. And how does that make you feel knowing that your organization is, is working and is like giving back to others? Yeah, it makes me really proud. Um, and I feel like as challenging as like hiring has been mm -hmm. during the pandemic and even before, right, as a small resource strapped organization, mm -hmm. I think that um, I've um, been able to create a really great staff team mm -hmm. and we have a very strong um, set of advisors and board of directors as well. And so I'm really proud that we've been able to um, coalesce to provide opportunity um, for women. It, make, it makes me feel very proud, for sure. That's incredible. Oh, wow. Okay, so who would you credit for where you are now? <laughs> um, I think for 
one thing, I would mm-hmm. say my father, mm-hmm. um, my my dad, um, at one point, he was uh, staying with me one summer and I had gotten um, a dress from um, Mariama, my uh, dressmaker. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, I, he would, I, I was altering it. I was making some adjustments mm-hmm. um, to um, how, uh, to something that she had made. And I said, oh, well, let me just make this adjustment myself and go back to her. And so I guess my father saw me like um, one or two mornings in a row, like leaning over the sewing machine or, or, mm-hmm. or like um, go, plotting something out. Uh-huh. And he said like, oh, well, what did you, engineer last night Hmm. um and i said oh well this isn't engineering um this is just sewing and he said no it's engineering i know Uh and he's an engineer right he has two degrees in engineering i was like okay (laughs) well then (laughs) then fine um so i said all right well then that's what this is but then i also um started um, you know, I was, I was working on things and he, um, said to me, you should start a business. And I was like, well, what kind of business could I have <laughs> like sewing? Like I'm not that great and I'm a perfectionist. So it takes me mm-hmm. 90 hours to make something. And so then like, how much could I possibly make off of this? And right. he's like, no, you, you should. I was like, okay. <laughs> but that got me thinking. Ah. Right. And so I started thinking about, well, like, could I actually um do something and what would it be and mm-hmm. so then that's when I started thinking well actually the the skills that I have the networks that I have I could be of of service to others right and so I think probably first and foremost um my father second um my husband Eric for um believing in me um a lot and encouraging mm-hmm. me and he even went to back to school to get an MBA so wow. he could help me with my business right oh wow yeah yeah and then I think the last person I, I want to I'll probably let me quote Snoop Dogg and say I want to thank me for believing in me mm. right because um I think it's easy not to believe in yourself sure. um, and it's sure. been challenging at some moments for me to believe in myself but I really had to do so in order to say like okay I'm writing this concept paper. I'm going to talk to people about this idea. Right. I'm going to invest five figures of my own money. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask my friends and family for their support. So, like, I really had to believe in myself and do that continuously and consistently. I love that. I mean, yeah, th- this was from conception to birth, basically. You know, you had you right. had this already. And, and like you said, your dad kind of, your father kind of put it in your head. But it probably was already in there, but you just had to figure out how to get it out, right? Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and that's that works, point. yeah, because, you know, that's when you realize, oh, I guess he, he knew what he was talking about. <laughs> right. <laughs> and here you are, you know. Right. So how does he feel knowing that you've, you're doing such a, you know, this, this incredible organization that you are that you created is now helping out so many other women who may not have ever the advantages that you've had yeah so um i would say that my family is very proud of me especially Mm. my dad Mm -hmm. um and it's interesting because i feel like um for him it was almost like 
an expectation that hmm. I would be successful, whereas sometimes like I'm surprised about different places of success. Like, for example, when we got some support from Gucci um, and he was excited about it. But uh-huh. I think that he expected like, well, of course you would get support from, <laughs> from Gucci and, and, and whoever else. Like, why wouldn't you? Right. That's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that um, my 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 dad and the rest of my family um, are very excited. My dad is a bit of a fashionista himself. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's it, it fits very well in the family. In fact, my dad told me one time I took him to um, a tie-dye class, uh-huh. and he told me that his mother used to dye and sell fabric in Nigeria, which wow. I had no idea of, right? Like, all those decades I never knew wow. um, until I brought him into something and he could share. So I, I feel like there's so many of us who have families who have um, interactions and, mm-hmm. and work experiences with fashion mm-hmm. um, that it's just, like, you know, people happen to mention it or they you know walk in and says like oh this room reminds me of my childhood because Mm -hmm. my family had a dry cleaner or my my -hmm. grandmother was a seamstress wow it's almost like you know it was kind of predestined in a way because knowing that your father is a fashionista then revealing that his mother you know was um like used to do to tie-dye in nigeria um and it's so cool because it kind of like came full circle for you. I mean, you're not making the clothes, but you are supporting the women who are doing that and making sure that they get the advantages that you, you know, they get to actually, um, they get to experience what it's like to have their own, you know, dreams, um, you know, fulfilled and also be able to inspire others to do the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is so cool. Oh my gosh, yeah. I was just like, wow. That And it's interesting when you say that about, you know, like you, you kind of, I wonder if it's like somehow in the genes, like, you know, you don't realize that this is what you're meant to do until you do it. <laughs> and then, right. oh, by the way, yeah, this person used to do something like that. And you're like, wait, <laughs> what? Right, like, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's an awesome story, though. You know, that's something that I think, I think so many of, um, or maybe some of us don't realize that a lot of it has to do with, you know, your history and and the histories of your ancestors, right? Like what they had to go through in order to make it. And then, you know, moving forward in in the present, in the modern day, you know, it's like, okay, you're trying to make it, and wait, how how am I going to do this so I can be, you know, I can actually give back and also feel that I'm doing a pretty good job um, and doing so, um, you know, by helping others out. Right. So, right. Right. That's that right. is so cool. Okay. All right. So, um, so I have this, I read this thing and I have to ask you this. So I read that you had thought of moving to Hawaii, but that changed. What, so can you share the story behind that? Oh, I don't know if I really thought of moving to oh, Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, okay. no, I, I went to Hawaii uh, uh-huh. for, for Christmas mm-hmm. um, last year. And I was just like, oh, it's so peaceful. It's so calm here. It's so beautiful. I could live in Hawaii. Uh-huh. Um, but I was um, one day visiting with a friend um, who actually did move to Hawaii mm-hmm. after law school. Mm-hmm. And um, I said to him, like, oh, this would be great. And he told me, like, you absolutely 
would not be able to live in Hawaii um, because um, Hawaii is very laid back and you are not. (laughs) (laughs) When I saw it, when I read that, I'm like, wait, what does that mean? (laughs) I'm like, I thought Hawaii was for everybody. And considering that you can do it remotely, right? Right. I, I figured that would be awesome. Right. Say, but it it's so funny awesome. that your 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 friend actually talked you out of that. Yeah, he's like, nah, no. Mm-mm. That's so <laughs> funny. Well, you could always change your mind, and if you decide to do that, <laughs> absolutely, I sure could. <laughs> That's so funny. I love it. Okay, so um, moving forward, is there anything else that you'd like to do that you haven't yet done? I think. Is there anything I'd like? To... Well probably um unrelated to anything Mm -hmm. is run a marathon oh cool like that would be a really cool thing to do so maybe i could start with a half marathon Uh um but yeah i think definitely that um but i think professionally Mm -hmm. probably it would be to share um what i've learned Mm -hmm. um with a broader audience so it could influence how people look at one um, equity and inclusion Mm -hmm. two workforce development Mm -hmm. and three um, community and economic development Um, I have learned a lot through piloting um, custom collaboratives Mm -hmm. and its programs and different partnerships Mm -hmm. and um, I, I think if anything, it would be sharing those things. Um, I'm really good at strategy and executing strategy, mm-hmm. um, but also taking note of like things that, that, that work and things that don't work. And so I would love to be able to share that on a broader scale. That's awesome. So have you thought about um, doing some collaboration with, I guess, designers um, or or? or I guess women who might be interested um, in being a part of your training development, uh, training institute um, from Nigeria or from other countries? Yeah, for sure. So that's a great question. So actually, a couple of women in our programs, one from Nigeria and one from Angola, said that they want to create a custom collaborative in their home countries. So that's very exciting for me. Yeah. And like, and like, that's the best way to do it, right? Like, I'm American. Uh I know how to do this in New York. Right. Um, But somebody else would be able to do a great job at creating um, this, this replicating this model somewhere Mm -hmm. else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that sure. would probably entail you to have to go there at least to like in you know to see what exactly they would need in order yes. to get started. Oh my yes. gosh, that yeah. would be amazing because yeah. it would yeah. be a global thing instead of just you know having it into the states. You'd actually be affecting you know women in different countries. Yeah, I, I, yes, that would absolutely right, and and. I feel like every place I go, I learn something. So last year I was in Rwanda Mm. and um, I was able to see some like worker owned cooperatives there, like a coffee cooperative and a weaving cooperative. And um, it was so great that some of the things that I learned, I brought back and I said, okay, so we'll incorporate this into our work. Um, and, And so I think that will continue to happen as long as I continue to be open to 
learning and, and, and seeing and observing and doing new things. Yeah. I mean, who, you know, who knows how far this can go, right? I mean, custom right. collaborative can definitely um, change the, con- the the landscape, I think, especially for women in, 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 in underdeveloped countries and not even underdeveloped. It, it could be in, in countries that are developed. Right. So right. Right. that is yeah. wild. Yes, yes. We could absolutely have um, programs uh, in different locations in the United States. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, if anyone wanted to know more about you and Custom Collaborative, how would they go about it? Yes. So they could um, email info at customcollaborative.org. They could go onto our website, customcollaborative.org, and fill out our um, inquiry section. They could follow us on Instagram or Twitter at custom C-O-L-A-B. Um, we're on LinkedIn. I think custom collaborative. Hopefully people will go to our website and sign up for our newsletter, but there are many ways for people, uh, to engage with us and we love meeting new people and, um, potentially developing partnerships. That's great. Thank you. So, um, is there anything you'd like to say to my listeners? Uh, I would like to say to them, first and foremost, thank you for listening and to hearing our story. If you know of people in fashion or really other industries um, that are related, like beauty, um, feel free to share this podcast with them. Um, we can use as many supporters as possible. Mm. And um, just make sure that the clothes that you're wearing, just as I think about sustainability, are clothes that you love and that you want to keep and that you feel proud of wearing. Hmm. I love it. Thank you. So if you had one thing to change that you wish you had done years ago, what would that be? Believe in myself. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I think that, um, you know, at one point I did believe in myself and then I got to um, some point after college uh-huh. and maybe law school or maybe a little before law school mm-hmm. um, when I believed like other people's questioning of me, um, which was 100% wrong. Hmm. Um, and at the time, I think that I thought that there was a meritocracy and maybe I wasn't um, advancing or, or getting whatever credit because of this meritocracy because mm-hmm. I didn't understand the structural structural barriers mm-hmm. um, in the place in the in the way of me because of you know I'm a black woman mm-hmm. um, with a funny name right so it's just like oh an, an immigrant which you know outside of New York is not that great uh-huh. um, at yeah. least it wasn't then mm-hmm. um, and so at some point I believed the lie that I wasn't uh, excellent um, right. But now, I'm mm. believing in myself. That's awesome. And my last question is, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? To do what makes me happy and to worry less about other people's happiness. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Ngozi, thank you for stopping by and uh, for talking to me about your work for, with Custom Collaborative and, you know, and your stories. Um, I really appreciate it. And I love what you're doing for all of the, these women that you are affecting, you know, 
um, through your organization. And I wish you so much luck. And I really do hope it does go global. That would be incredible. Can you imagine? You. That would be so yeah, cool. No. Yeah, that it would be, be so it would cool. be great. It would be great. I can barely imagine it, but <laughs> I can start thinking about it. So it would be great. Well, yeah, I put, I'm, now I'm so I put glad. it into your head. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. And so then when we're all across wherever, I'll be yeah. like, oh, this is this is test started. This. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's amazing. I, I think what you're doing is so awesome. And, you know, you are helping so many women and young girls, you know, really achieve what they've probably always wanted to achieve. And you know, to have their own voice to, to actually have themselves be, you know, accountable for what they're doing, right? And also like knowing their worth and knowing that they are they are so empowering that they're being empowered through this. So it's really awesome, you know, that you're doing this. But um, I really appreciate you coming in and thank you. And please keep in touch because I do want to know what else you, you're going to be doing, you know, the next two or three years because you never know. <laughs> that would be you're so right. cool. Um, yeah. But until then, you know, have a good day and I will speak with you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for being in conversation with me and introducing me to your community of listeners. Great. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Ngozi Okoro on RevWoman.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Women. You can listen to Revolutionary Women on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Just a little note. I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman.